Life support is nominal. The oxygen danger indicator level is yellow. Please remember that this is a non-smoking pirate ship. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to GameIndustry.com's The Gin Lounge. I'm John Breeden, your chief lounge lizard and your host for this episode of the show. Today we're going to be talking with Andrew Chase from Glide.com about a more effective way to make use of your used video games. And, in fact, uh, I was I was on your site, uh, Andrew. Uh, well, first off, welcome to the lounge today. Happy to have you. Thanks, John. And uh, I was I was just I was just on your site the other day, and I was looking, and it's it's more than just video games. You guys have movies there, and and look like iPads and all kinds of things. Yeah, totally. We actually started out as uh, books were the first thing that we thought we would try to sell, but it turns out that books don't really have a great resale value. So we we quickly found that there was an you know an interest in people being able to buy and sell video games in particular. Right, right. No, definitely. So when how long has glide.com been around? Uh, it look it looks like I mean the, your site looks very mature. So I'm assuming you've been around for a little while. <laughs> yeah, um when I I started working there about 5 years ago and that was uh, my first week was when we first moved into an office. So a couple of eBay guys um had kind of been ginning up the idea before that, but we then started to really uh, develop the site, um, kind of had a couple different revisions of it. And then about two years ago, I think, is when we push, pushed ourselves out into the public because we kind of did this typical startup thing where we were very private and, and beta and didn't want a, a lot of people looking at the site. But about two years now, I would say that we've been an active uh, marketplace. Okay. Now, in in terms of you, you said you found a need in the in the video game industry, and and you know I've been in this industry for something like twelve years, and so yeah, I I definitely kind of see where you guys are coming from from that. But but why don't you explain like what you saw as as the need and 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 why you think that uh game why do you think the need exists? I mean, what what happens when you get done playing Call of Duty Modern Warfare three and and you pretty much you know finished with it what what's the options i mean before glide.com what were the options uh, that a gamer had to to do something with that disc uh right so that's a good question um and that was actually i, I was really big on this because i was playing a lot of video games and um i i like to play a lot of back catalog stuff um because there's often times where i just i haven't heard of a certain series before and i would go on to ebay and eBay is great for unique items, so it's great if you want to sell that one-off Beanie Baby or something. But if you're doing a commodity good, you end up uh, you end up having to do a lot of work. Where all I really want is to know I'm buying, you know, a reasonably priced, good condition, kind of playable game. Or if I'm a seller, I just want to be able to sell. And and what we were finding with eBay is for these things that should be pretty simple, it was taking a lot of work. Um, and this was before uh, Amazon had their trade-in program, and so eBay and GameStop were kind of the only two two shows in town. And um, and of course with GameStop, you know, they're they're really convenient. You can walk in, hand your stuff over, and and you know pick something up new. But I think what what everyone's experienced with that is you you see how much they're giving you for the game, and then you turn around and you look on the shelf for what that same game's selling for, and you're like, well, wait a minute, you know, that's an awful big gap that I'm having to face. So that was kind of where we saw, okay, we can make something that's just much more efficient at connecting buyers and sellers and and being able to push those prices down for the buyer and and make more for the seller just by, you know, making it easier by not being like eBay where they kind of have a one size fits all and making it more efficient because it's not like GameStop where you have to pay for 
a bunch of brick and mortar stores and employees and everything else. Oh, sure. Now, uh, one of the things you guys did recently, which was kind of funny that we actually put on our front page was the, the video of the guy, uh, who, uh, people would pay $8 and then they'd get to kick him in the balls. <laughs> and yeah. and uh, it was kind of set up like a little, um, you know, news story. And it was, it was very funny, uh, the way it was done. But his point on, on the video, and, and this just goes to the, the GameStop thing, and I, I think this is pretty common is, you know, he, he buys a game for 60 bucks. He plays it for a couple days. He takes it back to GameStop. He gets paid $8 for it. And then, and then if he wants to buy a similar used game, he's, he's paying 40 for it used. So he's, he's kind of thinking that, um, I guess the point of the video was, you know, a, a kick in the balls is better than going into GameStop with your game. So, I mean, but that's about the right level of, of money that you can expect to get from a store like that, right? Yeah, totally. It's it's amazing how how much that differential is, and and that was yeah, like we the the, the kick in the nuts was pretty extreme way to illustrate it, but we're kind of shouting from the rooftops like, hey, you know, quit it, you know, quit quit losing money to these guys, like, you know, give yourself a if you can. Sometimes it's really hard, you know. We've all been there on a Friday afternoon where it's like, I want something new today. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it, it's great if you can think a week or two ahead and, and, and just make so much more money on, on selling your stuff back in particular. Cause it, uh, it, 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 unfortunately for, you know, that, that GameStop model of having stores, it's just, they're always going to have to, um, not pay you as much because again, they just have all this overhead that they have to, to account for. Okay. Well, let's, let's look at how, how glide.com works. I know, I noticed your, sure, your yeah. slogan is, you know, more money, less hassle. So let's, let's see how, how that works from, let's say, let's take a typical seller. So let's say you have a game, maybe, I mean, we'll just make one up. We'll not make one up, but say Ar- Batman Arkham, uh, Arkham City, you know, fairly new, mm-hmm. new title. It's been out for a, maybe a month or two, something like that. You, you've played it. You had a really good time with it, but, you know, there's not a lot of multiplayer in it. There's not a lot of, you know, replay value. So, so now you've got this disc and you want to, you want to sell it. How does it work from the, from the glide doc, you know, from using glide.com? So, so we're a, we're a person with a copy of uh, Batman Arkham City and we want to uh, sell it. What, what do we do? Right. Um, well, it's, first I, I have to say, I, I'm a programmer for the site, and um, when I, when I think of what you're talking about, I I just get a big smile because well, you so, made it. <laughs> this, yeah, yeah, and it and it every time you try to make something simple and easy, it, it there's an incredible amount of work into it. So I'm kind of thinking in my mind as we talk about this, like all the you know, I don't know, I would say hundreds, but probably more like thousands of hours that we put into to to making that process that you're describing really easy. So so Arkham Asylum. We're going to um, help you f- obviously find that title as quickly and simply as possible. And then um, our our thing is, you know, what what often happens in games is you kind of maybe that Best Buy released their own copy and, um, you know, uh, Target had an exclusive copy. But to, to any person who's buying this on the used market, they're all exactly the same. Right, because you're so not going to get the special bat suit or yeah. whatever that came from the Target bundle because that would have been claimed by the original owner. Exactly. So, so we're going to try to um, minimize the amount of kind of uh, sorting through different editions and and kind of only present. Basically, if it, if it's a true special edition, you know, where it came with special packaging or something, then we're going to show you that separately. But beyond that, we're going to really be trying to present you with just the the crucial information. So, in that, for most games, is going to be platform. So you're, you know, I'm I'm going to say, okay, I've got Arkham Asylum for PS3. Mm-hmm. 
And, and then it gets into, uh, another piece that I'm like super proud of because it's our, our pricing algorithm. And one of the things that if you're on eBay doing this, you need to now go out and look around and see, okay, what are other people selling it at? And what do I think I can get for right, it? Right. Cause on eBay, and, you've got to say, okay, I need to start the bidding at this point because if it's too low, if I, if I put it for a penny, then some jerk's going to buy it for two cents, you know, or whatever. And if you, if you put it too high, then you don't get any bids. Yeah, exactly. So, so now instead we're going to say, hey, you know, Arkham Asylum, we've been looking at what it's been selling for on other sites and on our site. And, and we know that with games, they're, they're not collector's items. You know, they're, for most of them, they're always on a downward curve. So we're going to try to give you as fair a price as we can that we think you should sell it at. But then, you know, try to make sure that you can actually sell it. And, um, and, the interesting thing about that is there's a couple other uh, of these used markets that are going to try to really just say, here's the price that you can sell that, period, mm-hmm. where we really do want to say, you know, maybe you know more about it than us. We're not always going to be right on these algorithms. So so we suggest a price, and then you can change it as you wish. Like if you want to sell it today, you know, as fast as possible, then you can see that as you play with your price, and you can see, okay, I'm now the lowest seller on the site by a dollar or $2, and so you lock it in. But um, the other one interesting thing about that is that one thing we found is, you know, if I put Arkham Asylum at 30 bucks, maybe I want to say start it at 30 bucks. But it's kind of like unlike eBay where it's auctioning mm-hmm. up, what we're going to start trying to play with is having that price move down. So we'll let you say, hey, I want to I want to start it at $30. But over the next seven days, if it still doesn't sell, I'd be willing for you guys to lower it to, let's say, $25. And to have, and and so, have that happen automatically. Yeah, exactly. So we're really excited about that because in the past what we've done is you would – in the way you'll see the site now is if you put it at $30 and it doesn't sell and then the what we call the market price, if that drifts down, then all of a sudden yours is priced above others and it's pretty much not going to sell, right, because people are always going to buy the cheapest version. So we would email you and say, hey, you know, we think you should reprice your item. But you had to go back on the site and reprice it manually. So now what we've heard from our users is that's just too much work and they – they sometimes, you know, you really do just, you don't, I don't think in my mind, Arkham Asylum is worth $30. I won't sell it for anything less. I think, hey, I wouldn't mind getting that. But what I care more about is I'm done with this game and help me, help me make some money. Right. And then, um, and I guess, you, you know, if you, I guess your bottom dollar would be, okay, I know if I take it to GameStop, I'm going to get eight. So anything above that is probably, you know, going to be acceptable to a lot of people. So. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I'd never really considered that. When we when we suggest what that range is, it would be nice to be able to say, hey, and you know, here's what we think your bottom range should be. You know, make it a couple bucks above GameSpot because, you know, if you're going to go down to eight dollars, then it, if it, if you have a GameSpot around the corner, it's probably actually is pretty pretty easy to walk in. Right. But what we're hoping is that we're going to get you a much a much better price. So let's say so we put our game up and we priced it. You know, we looked at the thing and we put it for say thirty bucks, and now somebody has agreed to buy it. So then, how does the seller and the buyer? Um, again, we're just talking from the seller's point of view. We'll go to the the buyer next, which I assume the the buyer has much less to do. Um, but what does the seller then do once once somebody buys the game? Right, so then the seller's job is pretty much done. He's going to get an email that just says, "Hey, you know, it's sold," mm-hmm. and um, and wait for something in the mail. And so the, what we'll then do is um, we'll put a an env- an envelope with another envelope inside it, and we'll ship it off to the seller. And that and that envelope inside is going to say, you know, the the game that you sold. In case you have a couple in the mail, you you kind of want to know, okay. This envelope that just showed up, this is Arkham Asylum. You, dr- you drop it in that envelope, uh, 
it's got a little sticky adhesive. You close it and throw it in the mm-hmm. mail, and you're you're done. So really, from a seller's point of view, it's cool. It's you know find it on the site, list it at whatever fair price you think that you should list it at. Wait for it to sell, and then once it sells, you don't have to deal with. Because this is where I fell apart trying to sell my games on eBay. Is like I would sell things, and then I would get lazy, and I wouldn't want to go to the post office. I don't really even know. You know, I, I go to the post office so rarely. I don't know what I'm doing in there. I'm like in line. It's horrible, yeah. right? And so, so that was our idea is it's kind of like a Netflix mailer. You know, you just, you get something in the mail, you put your item in it and, and you ship well, it. Well, that, that is pretty convenient because I've seen how, you know, there, there are a couple of sites that are somewhat similar to glide.com. Some of them are, are as little as just, just meet matching places where, you know, you match a buyer and a seller and then they still have to work out how the game gets from point A to point B. It sounds like the way you guys do it is great because you just drop it in the mail and you're done as a seller. So that's pretty cool. So then where does that, where does that mail go to then? Does that go back to the glide.com or does that go to the, the the buyer then it actually so one of the the things about this process that you can imagine is it, it it's gonna um there's a little bit of time right and so since i've bought some, if i'm gonna speak briefly from the moment of the buyer mm-hmm. there's that time i bought where we have to send this mailer to the seller and then now the sellers put it in the mail and so we want it to go to directly to the buyer because we want that to to get to that buyer as, as fast as possible rather than having it stop off at Glide. Mm-hmm. And what we do to know what's happening is the the post office allows you to put tracking codes on these things. So so once it goes in the mail, it has a tracking code so that we glide know when it when it arrives at the buyer's house so that we can, you know, do all those normal e commerce things like tell the buyer what their tracking number is in case they're really excited and they can <laughs> track it flowing through. The now, from a buyer's point of view, then, let, let's take it from, from the buyer's point of view because we still have to get the money from the buyer to the seller. Um, so right. so how does that work? I assume they go and they're like, you know, I, I, I really want to play Arkham Arkham City. You know, I'm, I didn't buy it when it came out, but it's been a couple months. I should be able to get a good deal on it. I go to Glide.com, and I guess I just type it in and, and look for it. Yeah, totally. And and that's it's pretty much as easy as that. One of the things in, in, in that case, you would go to Glide, you would look for it and find it. And if you were um, if all you've done is buy, then you would need uh, a credit card and you would put your credit card number in. And we and once you actually have an account with a credit card, we were really big into this notion of a one click. So as as simple as possible. So once you found it, it's really just hitting buy and, and that's it. It's done. Mm-hmm. And um and you can undo it, luckily. You know, the, the first thing we we did when we were really young is we said, okay, if you buy it, you bought it. Like, we really kind of had this feeling of uh, th- that that should just be how it goes. But what we realized is that's not how retail works, right? Like, if I'm a consumer and I buy something and 10 minutes later I decide I don't want it, then I'm going to go return it. And I am and, and that's a, a valid expectation. So... So we do have the ability to cancel um, immediately after hitting buy. There's an actual cancel button, but then we have customer service who who helps with that as well. Okay. Now, so the so then they pay the money for it, and then I assume what would happen then would be the money would go to you guys at Glide, and then what do you you take a percentage of the of the transaction, and then forward the rest to the to the seller. Yeah, exactly. And so we take a twelve um, percent from that uh, seller fee and. Um, and that that uh, is interesting because that's uh, I think one of the lowest in the industry, and that's that's actually covering what often ends up being about three plus percent, maybe even more, on um, just how much it costs to do a credit card transaction. Mm-hmm. So so 
um, those are kind of the nice things that we're trying to do is, is we're trying to give you as, and, and that's what I was saying before about how we're, we're trying to be as efficient as possible. So we only need to take a tiny sliver because we're going to have this real smart system and, and then try to pass along savings to, you know, seller and buyer. But yeah, so we take our fee and then we hold on to that money, um, until we know that that transaction has completed. So once you, the buyer, get your item and, and can check it out, you, then you can either go on our site and say, okay, this is, this is good. Or, or, you know, obviously if, if there's something wrong, if it's not what you expect, maybe the seller accidentally put the, the wrong thing in, then we have all kinds of ways to help resolve that. And, uh, and, and we try to be as, you know, um, fair and, and, uh, and friendly about that as possible. I was I was going to ask that because that's one of the big things. I mean, that's one of the biggest problems on eBay really is, you know, you buy uh, a 1923 sports car and, you know, you end up with a Matchbox car coming to your house, you know, and and it's like, you know, what's the what's the dispute mechanism? So the the money actually doesn't get doesn't get released to the seller until the buyer confirms that everything was okay with it. Yeah, exactly. Um, the the money won't get released. We'll hold on to it and make sure everything goes right. And then also, if 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 we were tracking both buyers and sellers, and if if a seller is consistently doing these things, then we're gonna warn them and then potentially have to ban them from the site because you do get guys who are out there, you know, trying to sell matchboxes instead of instead of real cars. Mm-hmm. And, and but what we found is what what eBay does to resolve this is a rating system, right? Like. You only buy from five star sellers sure. is what you learn pretty quickly. Um, but the the problem with that, and I've actually I never understood this until I experienced it myself on eBay, is that um, sometimes you'll have a seller who you're like, dude, this this really wasn't the condition you told me it was in, but he's like, yeah, it is, you know. And you guys just you, it's not always so clear who is in the right or wrong. And if you want to give that seller a bad bad feedback, then he'll in turn give you bad feedback. And so they, it's like feedback hostage, mm. and um, and that's what we, some of the guys at our company had worked at eBay before, and that's what they had seen is that just having buyers and sellers resolve these things on their own um, is sort of a broken system because you really want a uh, an, a person in the middle who is going to say, you know, oh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be the that mediator, right? The person who can be fair and unbiased. And so that's that's what we're always doing is we're trying to be unbiased. And and really, if if you're the buyer and you're saying something and the seller's saying something different, then usually what we're going to do is say, well, you know, please send the item back and we're just going to refund you your money. And we'll track this and make because sh- if it's only once, then how do you know which guy is is right or wrong? But if it, if there's some kind of repeated pattern, then you quickly are able to start you know treating people at, fairly and coming to the crop correct conclusion interesting do you guys have a pretty big step it would seem to me like you would have to have a lot of people doing these sort of arbitrations or do do things most of the time usually work out um it for the most part it does work out um we have a a small team who just are are really good like i guess because we're a startup we've been able to attract people onto our our service team who are just top-notch and so they I think that I've had to interact with them a couple of times. I try to use the site a lot, and um, and I, and I think it's this. I've heard this before in retail where they say, if you have a problem, and and you go to customer service and it gets resolved well, then it's you almost walk away thinking more of the company or the site than if you had never had a problem. No, oh, that's true. And and I, and I really have I've experienced that where it's like 
you think it's going to be a big hassle and, and you don't want to. And the last thing you want to do is email, you know, some service at address, but then you email them and, and it all works out so quickly. It's like, oh, well, that was awesome. <laughs> you know, that's so the, so yeah, not, not too big a staff, luckily. And that's, we have to do that. We have to be smart to be able to once again keep our prices down so that we don't have to, if, if we were, employing you know 100 people to do this then we would have to take that much more transaction fee just to you know pay everybody well one of the things i hear you sort of talking about every now and then and it's sort of an aspect of of every one of the answers you've given in some in some way is about this community of users that you guys have you you mentioned that you know the users wanted uh, you to change so that uh, you could you could didn't have to commit to pushing that buy button you could go back and things like that and it sounds it sounds like you guys really listen to your to your community do you do you have a pretty robust community of of users that that follow you now yeah i would almost say a surprisingly robust it's really cool to see that we have a lot of people who who really seem to care about uh the experience they've they've decided at some point that okay glide is the place i want to buy and sell but then we're not perfect, and and so they have been very vocal with telling us where we can improve, and um, we really appreciate it because we we then take that and fold it back in, and and in fact we we were really getting a lot of feedback that people wanted to um, be able to buy and sell their their iPads and iPhones and stuff, and that's one of the in large part one of the reasons that we now have. Uh, a growing selection of consumer electronics on the site. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I did notice. I mean, and you put that right on the front page. I saw there was like, oh, look, look yeah. at all that stuff you can get. So that's really interesting. So pretty much, I mean, there's pretty much no real limits to what you guys can sell on the site. I mean, you, you're, um, and you have, once you have the thing in place, I mean, it, it, I guess it has to fit in the, I guess it has to fit in the, in the mail slot at some point. <laughs> yeah, totally. And, and that is actually, we can only add things so quickly because we're not again to compare to eBay because that's a I think it's something that we're all familiar with is eBay you can sell anything because you're responsible for knowing everything about it whereas we want to know everything we sell we know exactly how much it weighs we have a pretty good idea of exactly how much it should cost and you know all these things and so we're we're adding slowly as we can um new new types of stuff to sell um and we like you said too the the shipping is one of the big things is we believe so much in that shipping solution that we're in the at least in the near term going to really be sticking to things that you can throw in the mail easily right no it makes sense now uh one more quick question about your community actually did does the people that use the site are you finding that the majority of them uh, go to the site and make like maybe like one transaction, or do you find that most of them are like repeat customers that keep coming back and doing business constantly? Uh, that's a that's an interesting question because we we obviously track that and are very interest, interested ourselves in kind of seeing how people behave, and we kind of have different types of users. There's some people who wind up at our site through like a Google product search where they've done a search for Call of Duty and they found that some site they've never heard of called Glide.com has the lowest price and they're going to come in and just buy it. And for the most part, they're they're going to buy it and bounce or maybe they're going to buy it and, and stick around. But, you know, that's that's one type of user where we have this other kind who who maybe have had that as their first experience, but then they find they like it and start coming back or they consistently can find deals. And what really is the the game changer is once you start to sell. Because then once you start to sell, you know, you get a little money in your account and, and you think, well, I could 
pull it out and do whatever, or I can just start buying more games. And, and, and so we do have a, a, a pretty good number of those. We have like, I think, uh, 10,000 active users on a kind of monthly basis right now. And, um, and so those guys are all, uh, doing a lot of, of, both buying and selling. In terms of the selection, in just in terms of the video games uh, that are on the site, is it mostly, um, you know, the the top the top games? Is it mostly like copies of Skyrim and and copies of Modern Warfare and things like that, or uh, do you do you have anything that's like you know some of the some of the older games? I mean, I don't I don't know if you get into you know, is there a market there for like PS2 stuff or or how far back do you do you mostly go with things? We um, we go about one generation of consoles back, so we do a PS2 and GameCube and all those, but we stop we stop there. We don't go to SNES and um, all, all those, and and that's primarily because once you get uh, like PS2's awesome, and and it's a that's a really nice place to I think be able to obviously buy used is going to be so much cheaper, and there's so many games available. But once you get even older into the old Nintendos and and some of those older generations, is they become collectors' and items. And then they're they're and, super expensive, and, even though they're they shouldn't exactly. be. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and so that's that that we consider more the realm of eBay, <laughs> where it's a much it, it's no longer what we would consider a commodity good, where each one can be treated differently. You really care if I'm buying. You know, Super Mario 3, I want it to, like, come in a pristine box because I'm likely buying it because I want I want it for my collection. Right? right. But I have a lot of friends, for example, that are really into so – there were some fascinating PS2 games, like a lot of the two-player games, like, you know, Baldur's Gate and things like that, 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 that people just love to play. So it sounds like I can go to Glide.com and find those type of games and, and buy them for a good price. And that's something you really wouldn't even find so much in any in a GameStop type of store because they're not going to give real estate to these these old games too terribly much. Yeah, totally. That's a great point. And as we were talking, I was like, huh, Baldur's Gate. And sure enough, we have it for um, GameCube and for Xbox. And not that our PS2 is sold out, but, you know, if you have an old Xbox, you can certainly go pick up the Dark Alliance. Okay, except for anybody listening to this show, you probably can't because I'm going to go buy it. <laughs> so it'll be gone by the time you hear this now. But, uh, but no, that's awesome. That's a really great thing. So I guess, um, you know, this is uh, the show we always kind of do like a final question type of thing to, to, that's sort of our format. So, so I'm going to put you on the spot with a final question too. Isn't that fun? Um, but no, it's a, it's a pretty easy final question. I just wanted to see so so it sounds like everything we're at glide.com is and it sounds fascinating i i can't wait to to get on it i i uh would love to check out some of the stuff but um what do you think uh what do you think is the, is the future i mean do you think that um do you think that the business model that you have right now is going to be you know something that carries you through for the next five years or is the next big thing maybe just adding stuff like like the ipads and iphones and things like that or uh, you know, uh, we ask ourselves that all the I time. <laughs> obviously, in gaming, you've got downloadable content kind of staring down the staring you in the eyes, and and it and it and it seems like that's going to be the wave of the future, right? Like it's just it's so. I think also for not just because it's maybe convenient to the consumer, but because the game publishers, I know you've had uh, shows on this in the past. They hate that people are selling used and. We kind of believe that the used market is fair and and a and a good thing, but if if I'm a game publisher and I can say, well, I can start doing download only and and really lock it down, then heck yeah, I'm going to do it. However, I don't really see as a kind of technologist the the 
I think we're constantly getting more and more content on disk. And so it's going to, and yet our, our download speeds aren't really getting that much faster. Mm-hmm. So, so I think in the, in the next five years, there's still a great market for, um, you know, physical video games. Um, beyond five years, that's, that's pretty hard to, to tell. Uh, but I think in the, in the near term, games for sure. Um, but I definitely think also that, you know, consumer electronics, phones, iPhones are such an interesting case because, you know, every two years your, your phone company is willing to give you this heavily subsidized thing. Mm -hmm. And then, and like, I actually sold my iPhone 3GS when I got my iPhone 4 and I made more money on my 3GS than it bought my 4. You're kidding. Because it's still, wow. Yeah, because, you know, it's a heck of a device and those things cost in reality, I don't know, five to seven hundred dollars. And your phone company is willing to sell it to you for 200 because they want you in this contract. So, you know, it's always a, a great opportunity to to be able to resell that for some real money. And in the past, I had always – I've got a drawer full of old cell phones because I didn't want to go through the hassle of eBay, to be honest. And so I think I think those kinds of things are, are going to be a, a hopefully a growing part of our business. But I also think that games, just because they're such – like like you said, you know, if you pay sixty dollars for for Batman, you really you wanna and, and you finish it in a week, then you're you're really kinda scratching your head, being like, Well, you know, this game's perfectly good. I'd love to be able to resell it and make a little money and try something new. And um and so I I don't I don't really see that going away in the near term. Well good. Well I'm oh, I'm glad glad to hear that. And uh everybody who's listening, the uh the website is glide.com. It's G L Y D E uh dot com. Easy enough to find. And uh yeah, I encourage you all to check it out. It sounds like a really good deal. Andrew, thank you so much for your time today. I r- really appreciate you coming by the lounge. Cool. Thanks a lot, John. It was fun to kind of geek out and talk about our thing. Oh, it was always good. When I, I was talking to the Glide.com people, and they're like, oh, we'll have one of the engineers come by. I was like, yes, because those are always the fun people. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Well, take care, everybody. We'll see you right here next week at GameIndustry.com's The Gin Lounge.